Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited you've tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you are listening, we hope you're inspired by this message. Uh, if we haven't met before, which we probably haven't, uh, I'm, I'm, my name's Josh, this is Rachel, and uh, I do probably look a little bit like Ben Teefee, I, I, I understand that. Uh, <laughs> We actually really love your pastors very much. We've known uh, Pastor Ben and Danielle for quite some time, and uh, we, we owe a lot to those guys. They saw a lot in us that we didn't even see in ourselves and, and really were instrumental in helping us get into ministry all those years ago, nearly 10 years, about 10 years ago now. So um, you have great pastors, and I'm bragging on them, and they're not, not even here, so you know it's true. Uh, just make sure you tell them I said so. But uh, I, I ripped him to shreds this morning, and so uh, I won't do that now because he's not here to defend himself. But uh, yeah, look, we've been in Vietnam now almost two years. Um, my parents have been in Vietnam uh, for 21 years, and uh, Rachel and I actually met in Vietnam. Her folks have been in Vietnam off and on over the last 10 to 12 years up in the north. We met in Vietnam in 2003 and so fell in love straight, well, Rach fell in love with me straight away and chased me and uh, pursued me. I eventually just gave up and gave in. I ran out of breath and, yeah, right, you know that's not true. Um, But uh, look, the writing really was on the wall for us about Vietnam and us being called there. We never realised that would be the case, but we were there back there um, in 2013. And uh, I met a young mentally impaired woman, early 20s, who had been raped by a government official. And as a result of that rape, she gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. And um, because she's a, not only a mentally impaired person, she's already an outcast. Now she's a single mum who's mentally impaired, so she's totally outcast in that society, living in absolute poverty. And uh, I met her and a young boy, and I just broke down in tears at what had taken place. The person that did this to her gets away with it scot-free. There's no uh, ramifications for him, given the nature of things over in Vietnam. And I wept for this lady and what had taken place. And in that moment, God spoke to me and said, Josh, this is what matters to me. And this is what you're called to do. And so for me, I didn't realise what that would all mean. I just said to Rach, I think we're called to Vietnam. And that began about a three-year journey to get us there. And look, we've got a heart and a passion to do something about women in crisis and the abortion issue. As you can see there, uh, the area of abortion is a massive issue in Vietnam. It's fast becoming in the top three nations in the world for the amount of abortions. And uh, it's not a debate in Vietnam like it is here in Australia right now. It's just what they do. There's no debate about it. And so we really want to do something about that and change statistics. And so I'm going to hand over to Rach quickly to share. Yeah, so we have some pretty shocking statistics in Vietnam with abortion. But, you know, there is hope in Jesus Christ. And in Genesis, it talks about us being created in the image of God. So we are made by a God who creates and who values life. And as Christians... We take on his heart and he values life. So this matters to him. There are women all over the world in crisis through pregnancy. Uh, It could be all sorts of different situations and they don't have a choice. If they don't abort, they get uh, excommunicated or 
sent out from their community and they can't just move suburbs or move streets. They have to move into different provinces or move really far away from all their support systems. And so we have, from that, we've birthed LifeHouse and we've partnered with a local church. Um, we are all about empowering the local church to be the change in their community. And so we currently have three women that want to keep their babies and want to give life to their children, but they need help. And telling someone not to have an abortion is not enough. There's a baby coming. You know, we have to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. These women need love and they need support. And so they've come into the program. Two of them have just given their life to Jesus. Amen. Give him a hand. And what's great about that is they're connected already to a local church. And so they are being mentored and loved. And so through the program... Um, they will receive support, they will receive parenting training, medical assistance, mentoring, counselling, whatever they need. And so we're just so honoured that we get to do this for his name and for his glory. So we want to thank you for your prayers and your support, and we're just so excited to be here. I'm going to give it to Josh, he's got a good word for you. Amen, amen. It's a real privilege to be here. This is my first time in Alice Springs, and you guys are in a great place. This is, I mean, you can't take a bad photo in Alice Springs. It's just, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But uh, it's a real honour to be here. As I said, we love your pastors, and it's a real privilege to be able to uh, stand here on Pastor Ben's platform. And, um, and uh, yeah, look, will you stand here? I want to pray for you before we get into the Word. Are you ready to receive the Word this morning, church? Yeah. Amen. Father, I thank you for this great congregation, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, that your word promises us in your presence there is freedom and there is liberty, Lord God. And right now, Father, I pray over every heart, every life in this place, Lord, where there may be uh, sickness in bodies this morning, God. I pray that healing would take place in your presence in Jesus' name. Lord, where chains may be binding people up this morning, Lord, I pray that chains would be broken in Jesus' name. Lord, let, let heaviness be lifted off lives and hearts this morning, God. Lord, I pray those that, that are battling with identity challenges or, or, or self-worth or value, Father, I pray that you would give them worth and value and, and show them who they really are and their purpose in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray over your word today and our hearts, Lord, that they would be open to receive that word today today in Jesus name Holy Spirit come we welcome you to move in this place in Jesus name amen amen you can go ahead and grab a seat this morning well where we live in Vietnam it is a communist nation and uh, so you know it's nice coming to Australia this is our first trip back as a family in in two years and we, we sort of feel the weight of or, or the weight lifted off us. There is a real spiritual oppression in the nation of Vietnam, and when you if you go and visit, you may not feel it, but when you live there, you definitely feel this this weight of of, of spiritual oppression. And and uh, in, in a communist nation such as Vietnam, uh, in every community or every sort of little little part of or suburb if you like uh, there's a communist leader in each one just to keep an eye on things and we just so happen as we believe to have rented a house right next door the leader of our community the communist leader so so that's exciting but uh early on yeah it's fun uh early on uh, when we first arrived See, Vietnam, there's not a lot of space because there's a lot of people and it's a small nation. So houses are built really narrow and straight up just to fit lots of houses. And so you don't have big yards like you do in Australia. And, and I like a yard. But in, in behind my house and our next-door neighbour's house 
is a vacant block of land. And so I thought, fantastic. And, and look, if no one's built on it yet, it's a free-for-all. You use it as much as you want until someone claims it and builds on it. And so we thought, well, let's, let's sort of clean it up a little bit so we've got an outdoor space. And so Rach goes out there and she starts clearing up and she starts ripping out all this lemongrass and throwing it over the, over the fence and just, just cleaning it all up. I arrive home late that afternoon and the neighbour next door gets out of his car, marches up to me and begins tearing strips off me in both English and Vietnamese, and I understand Vietnamese swear words, and because uh, they're the first thing you learn. But uh, he he abused me like he just right up in my face, yelling and screaming, and, and said, "Come with me!" and took me through his um, his house to his backyard and pointed over the fence to the where the, all the torn out lemongrass is and said, "What have you done there? That's you've taken it out." I said, "It wasn't me. I knew it was Rachel." And, and I'm thinking, do I throw her under the bus or do I, do I just say no? And I said, look, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I'm sorry that I, I, I didn't do it. And he's just ripping into me, swearing and carrying on. And so our relationship didn't start off too well, right from the beginning. And that's not a good thing to get a Communist Party leader offside. Anyway, we had friends visiting a couple of weeks later from Australia. And we're going out to dinner with them. And so I went to book a, we call them Grab. You call them Uber in Australia. It's called Grab, Grab Car in, in, in Vietnam. And I, I booked a car big enough for us and, and our friends to go for dinner. And the face of the, the driver comes up on your screen and it was my next door neighbour. <laughs> he, he'd accepted the booking and, oh, mate, the, the panic. And, and, and we walk out the front and I just sort of tail between my legs, just wait there and he, he, he hops in his car and... I hop in the car, we all get in and, and, and said nothing. And, and I thought, oh, I'm, not, I'm just, this is awkward. He said nothing, we said nothing. And then I just felt like, you know what? I need to be a Christian in this situation. And so I, I just felt like God said, I just want you to bless him. Just bless his socks off. And the, the trip was pretty cheap. It wasn't far. It cost about $2.50. And so I gave him, which is 40,000 dong. That's, yeah, inflation for you. I gave him 100000 which is really only $6, but to them, that, I mean, that was a big amount. That's nearly three times the fare. And he took it and he goes, oh, no, too much, too much, too much, and tried to give it back to him. I said, no, no, God bless you. Have a fantastic evening. And I gave it to him. And from that moment onward, his demeanor changed toward me. And one thing led to another, and he introduced me to some of his family. I was across the road in his mum's house, and we're, we're, we're eating food. And, and I ended up teaching his kids English. And, and it just opened the doors. How many know when light enters in to darkness, darkness has to flee? Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? Darkness leaves the moment light enters in. In, in the light, you can see clearly. In the light, there's peace. In the light, you can find your way. You know, Jesus says, I am the way. How many know what I'm talking about? In light, there's warmth. In light, fear flees. Anyone who has children knows that when you turn a light on, the fear goes out the door. You know, they're afraid of the dark, and then they say, can you put a light on? You turn it on, and they're okay. They feel peace. They feel comfort because there's light. People are drawn to light. How many know that? People are drawn to light says this in Matthew 5, and you know, Jesus' Sermon on the Mountain, this is known as the greatest sermon ever told, where, where as Christians we learn some of the greatest life lessons on how to live our Christian life. This should be on screen for you. Matthew chapter 5, he says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp 
then put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If you hear that scripture and you think that sounds a little bit similar to another scripture that talks a little bit about being the light of the world, you'd be right. John eight twelve says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Pause for a moment there. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, that happens instantly after the woman who was caught in adultery was thrown before his feet, naked and ashamed, broken, embarrassed, hurting. How many know that was the darkest moment in her life? Sorry, I'm spitting. The darkest moment in her life, caught red-handed in the act of adultery, naked and ashamed, thrown in front of the religious leaders. You can bet it was dark for her. And Jesus picked her up and said, I forgive you, go in peace and sin no more. How many know he brought light into her dark world? He brought light into a dark world. And it's immediately after that, that he says, I am the light of the world. So if he is the light, how is it that we are the light? Who knows, when you read the Bible sometimes, it sometimes can sound like a bit of a contradiction, but when you do read the Word, you've got to read it all in context. You understand? You've got to read surrounding Scriptures to start to get a bigger picture of what's going on. He says this just just, um, a chapter later in John 9, verse 5. He says, But while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. And then in John 12, 35, this is what he says. Have a listen. Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so that the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. How many know we live in a dark world right now? The, the world is dark. We, we, we turn the TV on, you watch the news. It's, we see darkness. We see war. We see famine. We see, I mean, you look at the political uh, state of affairs, not just in our nation, but nations around the world. It is a dark situation. It is a dire situation. How many know we're called to bring light into that darkness? We're called to bring light where there is darkness. He goes on, put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then, when, then you become children of the light. Let me discuss that for a moment. Let me explain. Jesus is the light of the world. But once you encounter Jesus, you are now the light of the world. Once you encounter him, you are the light of the world. So you are now called to go and take that light, that hope of the world that you have in you, into darkness and bring light where light is needed. Amen? Amen. The truth of the matter is every human heart is searching. Every human heart is searching. Ecclesiastes tells us, He has put eternity on the hearts of every man. What does that mean? Every man has this deep-seated, this uh, deep-rooted yearning for something more. There's There's this knowing and knowledge that there's something more, something greater than me, something beyond just this life I'm living. Every human heart knows there's something more, and Jesus is that something more. Jesus is the light that we're searching for, but once you find him, once you receive that light, It's now your responsibility to carry that light and be light in other people's lives and tell him about them. Now, I don't have to tell you this because you are a highly missional church. 
you, you, you already know this. This is just a reminder of who we are as children of God, as the lights of the world. You, you guys are highly missional people. You're doing incredible things. We just heard some of the incredible things you guys are doing. Thank you for being such a missional church, an outward-focused church. This, is, this message this morning is just a reminder that that's what we're called to do. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The other day, Wednesday uh, last week, we arrived here, and I've never been in a swag before. And we, we landed in Ayers Rock. I know you're thinking, what the heck? That's all we sleep in out here. <laughs> we, we landed in Alice Springs, and, and me and my son Asher slept in a swag for the first time. And it was brilliant. It was comfortable. It was warm. And, and, you know, as a city boy like me, particularly in Vietnam, Vietnam or Asian countries love their lights. They love their fluoro, their, their LEDs. They love their bright lights. They, you can't get away from light in Vietnam as far as physical you know, plug-in lights is concerned. And so to come out here and see almost absolute darkness is amazing. Yet what I did notice as I laid under the stars looking up, I saw stars and the moon, and I've never known the moon to be so bright. How many know in darkness, light shines the brightest? Light shines the brightest. Let me tell you what, we are called to be light and we carry that light into dark situations and it shines brightly, amen? It shines brightly. So we have a dark world here in Australia. You know, Vietnam, is, there's a lot of darkness. I mentioned before, I feel the spiritual oppression, but there's a, there's a Western community, quite a large expat community uh, where we are, and as the more you meet, the more you realise these people are extremely broken people. If they're not there on mission or for a business... A lot of the travellers that are there for a short time are highly broken. A lot of them are running from their life. And Rachel and I sat in a, our favourite cafe not too long ago and we just sat down having a coffee and, and there, was a, there was an Australian guy, probably in his early 40s, just sitting across from us. And uh, he could tell that we were Australian. So we started this conversation and it was almost instant. He just poured his heart out to us about how, how, how broken his life was, how he, he'd attempted suicide on multiple occasions. He'd split up with his wife of so many years and was estranged from his children. He was on this trip, supposed to come to Vietnam as a bit of an R&R with one of his best mates who cancelled on him. And so he came to Vietnam by himself, absolutely broken, absolutely hurting, no answers, no hope for the future. And we just ministered to him and loved on him. But as he left, I felt the Holy Spirit say, go and pray for him. And Rachel kind of felt the same thing. Go and, go and pray for him. And she said, you should pray for him. And how many know that's awkward in, in, in a lot of situations, especially a public cafe and, you know, we're over there. I don't know the guy. But I just, I, I thought, look, if I don't, Who's going to do that? So I ran up to him, I caught up to him, I said, mate, I hope you don't mind, but can, can I pray for you? I, I just, we're Christians, we believe that God can change situations. And he clearly looked extremely awkward about that. Not much more awkward than I felt. And, and, but he said, 
okay. So I said, look, you don't have to do anything. You just stand there. Just let me pray. And I laid hands on his shoulder. And I prayed for him just for the peace of God to be in his situation, to bring, bring reconciliation to his family. And as we finished, he said, you know what? You know what's funny about that? On the plane ride over here to Vietnam, a little lady sat next to me and started sharing a bit of Jesus with me and gave me her Bible and said, take this with you. You know, the Bible says some plant and other waters and then God brings the increase. I, I don't know where he's at at the moment in his walk, but we're friends on Facebook and he, he watches what we do. And, and I put a few encouraging scriptures up on Facebook now and then. So I know he sees that because he likes stuff. But God uses us to be light in darkness. Amen. He uses all of us to be light in, in a dark world. So I've got four quick keys. I don't want to preach for too long. I want to give you, this is a highly practical message. I just want to give you four easy, simple keys on how we bring light into darkness. Here's key number one, if you're taking notes. Don't cover your light with a basket. Pretty simple. Don't cover your light with a basket. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He's received Jesus. He, he, He knows that he's been saved. He knows he's set free. He knows he carries the hope of the world with him. He knows he's full of life and full of light. I'm not ashamed of that. He doesn't hide his basket. He lets it shine for all to see. He said, I'm not ashamed. I love the scripture in 1 Peter 3.15. It should be on the screen. It says this, but make sure that in your hearts you honor Christ as Lord. I love this bit. Always be ready to give an answer. To anyone who asks about the hope you have. But how many know we need to give people a reason to ask? (laughs) Always be ready to give an answer for the hope you have, but we need to give people a reason to actually ask. Are you giving a reason to people to ask you about the hope you have? You know, the Bible calls us peculiar people. (laughs) Are you peculiar what does he mean? Are you, are you different? Are you different from everyone else? Like, do we live a life in such a way that it looks different? It, 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 we talk different. We act different. We, we respond differently to different circumstances. Are you being a light? Are you hiding it under a basket? Or are you giving people a reason to ask about what is that hope you have? What is it I can see on your life that I don't yet have? I want that. Don't hide your light under a basket. So here's a quick question for you. Are people closer to Jesus because they met you? I'll ask it again. Are people closer to Jesus because they met you, because they were with you, because you were there? Are people closer to Jesus? Have you ever had uh, a non-Christian sort of day? (laughs) Come on, you, you know the day I'm talking about. You wake up and you don't know why you're just not in a great mood. And every little thing just irritates you. You know, you know, is it just me or do we have some of those days from time to time? Yeah, a few husbands nudging wives at the moment. I, I saw that. I had one of those days not too long ago. In Vietnam, as you, you heard and saw, we ride motorbikes. And uh, I pulled up on this particular day to my regular go-to petrol station. And there was one guy already at the Bowser having his tank filled up. No one else around, except on the other Bowsers, quite a few people. I pull up next to this guy, clearly the next person in line, and then a police officer pulls up next to me. The guy filling this other guy's tank of petrol ignores me completely, goes and starts filling up the policeman's tank. 
Now, I'm a bit of a justice person. And so I, and I know a little bit of Vietnamese enough to kind of get angry when I need to. I said, mate, in Vietnamese, what are you doing? I said, I was here first. You saw that. I, why are you filling his tank up before me? This is a policeman in his uniform. The, the people around us are sort of looking like, oh, what's he doing? And I'm like, no, I was blinded by this, like, injustice. And he just looked, he's filling the policeman, and he looks over at me and he just goes, and just keeps, and, and it's like, that just got me worse, you know, wind up again. And he keeps filling it up, and I said, mate, I'm talking to you. Why are you filling his tank up before me? I was clearly here first. And he just goes, keeps filling. Then he came over to me. Put, his, uh, put the, ba- the, the, the nozzle in my tank, starts filling mine up. And I said, mate, why did you do that? What, what? I was here first. Why would you fill his tank up before me? And he just goes. <laughs> and he filled my tank and it started overflowing onto the tank and into my lap. And I said, mate, stop. What are you doing? What are you doing? And he just goes. And kept going. I tried to pull the thing out of the tank and he kept it in there, overflowing. And so Christian... Missionary Pastor Josh gave him a big whack on his chest and he, he eventually pulled it out. And I just, I mean, I yelled and screamed. I said a couple of words I probably shouldn't have. And then I looked around and I'd caused a scene. I mean, everyone there was just looking at me like in horror. And I just threw money at him, drove away. And, and then I just felt the Holy Spirit say, uh, what are you doing, Josh? <laughs> And I, I, I had to repent because I'm like, man, I'm not here to do this. Like, I'm meant to bring light. I'm bringing more darkness into darkness. Like, anyway, so I did the Christian thing. I thought, right. So next time I was going to fill up my tank, I thought, right, I've got to do the right thing. I, I need to make this right. So I completely avoided that petrol station. I went to a totally different... <laughs> and I've never been back since. <laughs> I had a... Cover my light under a basket sort of day. Don't cover your light under a basket. That's my point. Here's point number two. Be where light is needed. Be where light is needed. Mark chapter two. This may not be on screen, but this is where the Pharisees see Jesus having a meal with sinners and tax collectors, it says. And the Pharisees point this out to his disciples and say, what's he doing meeting with sinners and tax collectors? And have a listen to his response. He says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. It's the sick that need a doctor. It's not the healthy. It's not those that already have light that need light. No, it's those that are walking in darkness that need to be able to see, that need light brought into their world. So let me encourage you, be where light is needed. If you take a torch, you don't turn it on while it's bright and sunny outside. No, no, when it's dark, that's when you need a torch and you shine the torch so you can see where you're going. It brings light, it brings life into darkness. My son plays soccer two nights a week in Vietnam and he's very good. I'm I'm genuinely living my life vicariously through my son because he's good and I was very ordinary at soccer. They stuck me out on the wing, I think, just to ignore that I was there. Like, I was terrible. He's good. And I'm like, yeah, come on, that's, that's my boy. But I go because of him. But there's also a lot of darkness there. There are people there that don't know Jesus that are, are struggling. Like there's single dads, single mums, broken. If you hear their stories, they are broken. And this one particular day, I thought, and I, I have conversations with them. And this one particular day, the kids are all playing 
under the goalposts and the goals fall over onto one of these young girls' legs. And, and she's screaming and it took a while to get the goalposts off her. They're heavy, those things. And, and the dad carries her over back to the crowd and we're looking at her. And I've seen broken bones before. To me, I was pretty confident her leg was broken. It was instant swelling. It was an odd shape <laughs> and bruised instantly. I mean, to me, that says broken. And so they were about to go off to the hospital and I just felt like God was saying, you know what, you need to pray for her. And I mean, again, awkward. Like, but, but hey, light and darkness. So I broke through the awkwardness and I said, look, I'm a Christian. I believe in the power of prayer. Can I just pray? Can I, before you go to hospital, can I just pray for her? And I laid hands and I said, yeah, sure. I prayed and it was a simple prayer. God, please heal her. Lord, I pray for total healing in Jesus' name. The very next day, she's back at school, at my kids' school, running around on her leg. Nothing wrong with her leg at all. Isn't that incredible? Not about me. Come on, give God a hand. I mean, purely a vessel, all glory to God. But like, that's what he does when we're available and we choose to bring light into a dark situation. How many opportunities are we given every day to bring light where there is darkness and pain? Amen. So don't cover your light with a basket. Be where light is needed. Here's the third thought. Be willing to be interrupted. Be willing to be interrupted. Jesus, time and time again, you read most of the stories about Jesus. Some of his greatest miracles was when he was willing to be interrupted. Think about the lady with the issue of blood. 12 years she was suffering. And then she goes and breaks through a crowd where Jesus is walking to Jairus's house to heal his daughter who had just died. And she interrupts that, lays hold of his garment and received her healing. He stops dead in his tracks, turns to her, and says, daughter, I forgive you, you're healed. Now go. He says, daughter, she was known as the woman with the issue of blood. No name, but he was interrupted and willing to be. Heals her and gives her identity. He calls her daughter. Time and time again, we see Jesus willing to be interrupted. He was teaching in a house and all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden the, the ceiling starts falling in, caving in in front of him. And if you know the story, he, these four mates lower their crippled friend down in front of him. I mean, imagine the scene right now if that was to happen. He, he stopped. He was interrupted and he chose to be. And he responded and he said, your sins are forgiven. Now take your mat up and walk. A miracle because he chose to be interrupted. He chose to accept the interruption for just a moment. The woman with the issue of blood, uh, sorry, the woman who was caught in adultery, we just shared that story. He was teaching again and she was flung in front of him. He was interrupted and a miracle took place. A healing took place. Light was brought into darkness. Amen. There's a guy by the name of Paul Scanlon. Anyone heard of Pastor Paul Scanlon? He's from the UK. He... He's written a book called The 15 Revolution. It's a really thin book. If you can get it, The 15 Revolution. Essentially, it's this. He, he talks about being willing to be interrupted just 15 minutes out of your day. Just allow for 15 minutes out of your day to be inconvenienced or interrupted. When we first uh, moved to Vietnam... Uh, every Friday we moved in the heat of summer and every Friday afternoon once the kids finished school we'd go down to the beach and you know we'd grab a drink and sit there and relax and the kids would play and and, and this particular afternoon we're there and oh, I sat down and was relaxed and you know sun was shining kids are playing I'm, I'm happy 
happy not to talk to anyone as well. And, and about 10 metres away from me, there's a young uh, American guy, probably in his early 20s, just sitting there having a beer. And I felt very strongly the Holy Spirit impress upon me to go and talk to him. I thought, no, like, he's, he's happy, I'm happy, we're all happy here, like, no need to disrupt the happiness going on. We're on the beach, you know, drinking hand, we're happy. But I couldn't shake this feeling, I've got to go and speak to this young man. So I, I, I got up and I just put my hand out, hey, how are you, man? And just started this conversation and I sat down with him and we got onto the topic of God based on what we're doing there and just started sharing the love of Jesus with him and you know, some of the stuff we're doing. And he said, oh, I can't believe that you're here. He said, just before I left the States to come to Vietnam, my Christian mum said she'd been praying for me and she handed me a Christian book and she said, I want you to read this and I want you to think about Jesus. He's not a Christian himself, but she is. And he said, just this morning, I said to God, God, if you're real, bring somebody into my world that shows me that you're there and you're real. And I chose to just be obedient and be willing to be interrupted for just a moment to go and say hi to this guy. Isn't that incredible? That's how much God loves people. That's how much God is for people. He's pursuing people, but he chooses to use us as the vessel to bring light into their world. You might be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Be willing to be interrupted. And here's the fourth and final thing. Invite. Invite. There's a great quote that many preachers preach on. I've preached on it or I've used it in a sermon on a number of occasions before. It's a great, it's a great thought. It's from St. Francis of Assisi. You've probably heard it. It says, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. Well, I'm here to tell you, words are necessary. Words are necessary. You know, it's okay to live a Christian life and, and, and for others to see this, this Christian life and, and living life with, with a hope that others look at and go, wow, I need what you've got. But it's got to come a time in our walk with Jesus and walk with others where we say, hey, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you been to church? There's got to come a time in our life where that friend that we've been in their world for so long, they've seen our lives, they see something different where we eventually invite. Invite. In John chapter 1, after Philip encounters Jesus the Messiah, he races to his brother Nathaniel and he says this, we've found the Messiah. We've, we, we've found him. And Nathaniel, if you know the story, responds and says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And he says this, just come and see. Just come and see. It's not our responsibility to get people saved. That's his. But it is our responsibility to invite. Yeah? <clears throat> Whether they accept the invitation or not, it's our responsibility to invite. It's theirs to say yes or no. I want to finish with this story if the, if the, the keyboard player could come. <coughs> Excuse me. A number of years ago when I was a pastor at uh, Hope Centre in Brisbane, uh, I had an opportunity to start writing letters to an inmate in prison who had given his life to Jesus and just to encourage him and correspond with him and build a relationship so he knows people on the outside that, that know Jesus and can encourage him and walk with him. And, you know, it takes a bit of energy to handwrite letters and send them off, but we built this rapport and when it was time for him to be released, I invited him to church. I said, hey, why don't you come to church? Now, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if he'd come. 
I didn't know how much of a responsibility would be on me to make sure everything was okay. But not only did he come to church, the first weekend he was out of prison, he brought a friend of his who wasn't yet saved. And these were two rough-looking guys, let me tell you. And I was sitting out front of church before the service began, just, just, just chatting to these guys. And as it was time to go in for the service to start, this other guy, Trevor, I think his name was, he, he said, no, I'm not going to go in. You guys go. And I said, look, how about this? How about you come in with me and just sit with me and, and see what you think? And, and, and if you don't like it, if you feel too uncomfortable, we'll both go out. I'll make you a coffee and we'll just sit outside. That's fine. But just come and see. Trevor came in and we sat there and, and the service happened, the worship, and, and then the message was preached. And at the end of the message, the the preacher gave the altar call where he asked people to respond to Jesus and Trevor's hand went straight up, tears streaming down his face, responding to Jesus. And after the service, I got to pray with him and I said, Trevor, what happened in that moment? What, what did you experience? Was it something the preacher just said? And, and this is what he said. He said, no, that wasn't the preacher. I looked up at those that were worshipping on stage and I just saw their faces and I knew whatever they had was real and I need it. Isn't that incredible? I just, I just knew it was genuine. The way they were worshipping, their, their, their facial expression, it was real. There was something they had that I don't have and I want it. And he responded to Jesus. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Friends, we are the light of the world. Once you've encountered Jesus, you now carry that light. And our responsibility is to go where light is needed and bring light into darkness. You have been saved from darkness and brought into light so that you can now take that light back into darkness where it's most needed. Amen. Will you hold your hands out? Lord, across this place. I just want to pray for some people this morning. Father, we thank you that you choose to use us as bearers of light, bearers of hope, bearers of life, Lord God, as conduits, as vessels to bring your light into a dark world. Father, I pray over every person in this place right now, Lord God, that you would just remind us, just remind us of what we're called to do. Remind us of what you did for us, Lord God, what life was once life like before you and how it's changed since we've received you, Lord God. And now with that in mind, Father, I pray that we would have a conviction, Lord God, a sense of boldness, a sense of purpose and a passion to go and share that love and that light and that hope with others that need it most, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that we are part of a missional church, an outward-focused church. But Lord, as individuals, Father, I pray, Lord, you would give us boldness to carry that life, that light into other people's lives in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us in the podcast. For more information about Desert Life Church, go to desertlifechurch.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day and remember, you belong here.